because he alone is worthy to be praised. He alone is King of Kings. He alone is Lord of Lords. He alone is the Lord, the King. We honor you, Father God, and we bless your name. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. We bow before you, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We thank you that you are good and your mercies are forever. We thank you, Lord God, that we can come before you this morning because you made a way. Lord, without your sacrifice, without you going on this cross, we would not be able to enter into the throne room boldly. And so we are grateful to be able to enter into your throne room boldly and give you thanks this morning and praise your name and lift you up and magnify you because you alone are worthy to be praised. You are the great I am. There is no one else like you, Lord God. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Father God, we bow before you this day. We recognize, Father God, that without you, we are nothing. Without you, we can do nothing. And we are grateful. We are grateful to the opportunity to come into your presence and, and praise you, Lord. Lord, we could have been outside there not even knowing that there is a God. That there is a God to worship. That there is a God who gave us mercy. Lord God, thank you for the grace of understanding. Thank you for the grace of allowing us to know you. Lord, without the Spirit of God, we will not be pulled. And so, God, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to come into your presence and praise you this morning. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your gentleness. Thank you for your, 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 your kindness towards us, your faithfulness, Lord. You have been good to us, oh God. You have been good. You have kept us thus far. You have kept our families. You have kept us, Lord God. Lord, we have not lost our minds, Lord God. Lord, when the issues and the problems come, we have not lost it. But we have a God that we can say, where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You are Jehovah. You are Jehovah. You heal. You deliver. You, 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 you set free, Lord God. You give peace. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for all that you bless us with, Lord. And even things that we don't ask for, you give. Thank you for protecting our families thus far. Thank you, Lord God, that calamity is not upon us. Lord, that we're not getting messages that this is wrong and that is wrong. Thank you, Lord God, that we are able to run into you, Lord God, if it comes, Lord God, knowing, Lord God, that we have no reason to fear. Because if God is with us, who can be against us? And so this morning, Lord God, we thank you. We welcome you in this place. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We ask you, Lord God, that everything that we'll do will honor you this morning. We'll lift you up, oh God. Lord, that we will live lives of honor, Lord God. Lord, that we will bow, Lord God, to you. Every area of our lives, oh God. And do your will. Listen to you, oh God. We pray, almighty God, that those who are listening, Lord God, and they feel alone and far away, Lord God, that they will know that you are with them. 
Lord, I thank you, Father God, that even now you are reaching out your arms and hugging those who are listening, Father God. Lord, that they can know, Father God, for surety that you are there, that you are saying to them, peace, be still, and know that I am God. There is no situation that is out of your control. There is no situation that is impossible that you cannot deliver us from. Lord, you can deliver us from everything, every situation. There's no sickness that you cannot heal. And so, therefore, Lord God, with praises on our heart, thanksgiving in our hearts, we come. And we come to worship the living God, to praise you, to honor you, to bless you, Lord God. To come in and magnify your name because you alone, O oh God, are worthy to be praised. Let us give thanks to the Lord. Let us praise him. Because every praise belongs to the living God. Every praise, every praise, every praise, every praise, every praise is to our God. To our God. Sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah. To our God.
it never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. gives up. It never runs out on us. Lord, your love never runs out. When our friends, when our families, when our, our loved ones, when our fathers, when our mothers, when our wives, when our husbands run away from us or runs out on us, your love never runs away. Your love is always with us. Your love cares for us. Your love protects us. Your love delivers us. Your love heals us. Lord, you are the healer. You are the deliverer. You are the way maker. You, your love never fails. Your love never fails. Your love is always there. Your love is from everlasting to everlasting. And this we can give thanks in, that your love is the very foundation of our lives and we can stand on your love and not be afraid. We can stand on your love and not run away. We can stand on your love knowing that your love is with us. Your love heals us. Your love is kind towards us. Your love, your love we can hold on. It is tangible, it is real. Because you gave your only son for us, Lord. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And therefore we can stand on that knowing that you embody love. You are love. And so we hold on to something tangible. Lord, welcome. It's like you are here, oh God. Oh Lord, just hug. Just hug, oh God. Just hug. Just hug the, the, those who are lonely, who those are afraid, who are lonely, they're by themselves, Lord God. Lord, they feel like they're by themselves, but it's not true, oh God, because you are there, you're there, you're there. You love them. You love them from everlasting to everlasting. Oh God, you love us so much. Your love never, ever fails. We can hold on to your love, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, oh God. Even now. 
in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for your love.
whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing but all you have given me, God. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing with all you have given me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Make me a vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. God, I came here with nothing but all you Do you 
As Jesus calls us, we look to him. We look to him because his arms are open wide. He's welcoming us. We lay our burdens down at his, at his feet. 
our sins has been forgiven. All we have to do is ask. We have to say with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ died for our sin and was risen from the dead. We believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is King and there is no other. Lord Jesus, thank you for your blood. Thank you, Lord God, for allowing us to be able to come, to be able to come in communion with you. Thank you, Lord God, that you love us beyond imagination. You love us from everlasting to everlasting. You love us to infinity. Oh my God, you love us. As I pray to you now, Lord, I pray that those who are listening will experience your love this week in a very fresh way. Lord, let them know your tangible love, your love that exceeds everything, that supersedes every situation. Your love will reach out and touch to the very hearts of their being, that they will know that you love them beyond their imagination, that they will know. Give them a revelation knowledge of your love. Give us all a revelation or knowledge of your love this week, Lord, that you may be exalted and lifted up in every area of our lives because you love us. You love us first. Help us and teach us how to reciprocate that love to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Good morning, good morning. Thank you one and all for joining us in worship. We will also continue our worship with the, the blessing and the giving of tithes and offerings. And for those who, are, who have the capacity to join us online, um, you can give through the PayPal account, which is the email address, newhorizonmin at gmail.com. And um, I'm using the, the Zelle app, the, it, where you can transfer funds from one bank to the other. And it's also the same email address, which is newhorizonmin at gmail.com. All right, prepare your hearts to give and to bless. And I'll be back in a moment to give a few scriptures and to declare the blessing. Enjoy.
depths of our heart tonight. We need your presence. So as we continue to worship, um, I have two short scriptures I want to read to just to encourage us in in our giving and in life. And it's talking about laboring in rest. The the, the two don't sound like they connect when you when you think about labor and you think about rest. Um, the scripture is taken from Psalms 127, verse 1, Psalms, 40, Psalms 4, 8, and Exodus 3, 14. It goes like this. Psalm 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand in vain. Psalm 4, 8, in peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Exodus 33, 14, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So as we come and we think about our life and our finances and the job and the, the income that we, we were able to get and the idea that the Lord said he will give us rest and he will give us peace and he'll watch over the city. He's telling us that he will watch over us, that he will always provide for us. He'll always make a way when there seems to be no way. Even when our hearts get overwhelmed, with situations and circumstances, the Lord is telling us that he will do it. We just have to trust in him. And I know it, it can be difficult when we physically can't see where that blessing is coming from. But the Lord wants us to trust him in this matter, also in all matters. He wants us to believe that he is a good God and he will reward those who diligently seek him. So when we think about diligence, we're not thinking about a one-time experience or a one-time thing. It's a, a thing that we continually do in worship and in admiration of our God. Because our God is good. So thank you for giving. 
and we pray a special blessing over everybody who has the ability to give. Lord, we thank you that you alone, Lord, will provide seed to the sower. You alone will make the, the enemy not devour our resources. You will give us peace, you says. You will give us rest. You will watch over the city. So, Lord, I can see your eyes watching over us. And, Lord, you will also speak to us. You will also guide us in any decision that we're going to make. As long as we come to you and trust in you, believing that you will do this. So we pray the blessing upon the house. We pray the blessing upon those who had the ability to give. And thank you for joining us as we continue in worship. We're going to go through the announcements, then the announcements, the, the scripture reading, and we're going into the word to hear from heaven, to see how we can be transformed, how we can be challenged, and how we can be changed. Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. I'm here with the announcements today. And my first announcement is the Hepzibah Online Evangelistic Ministries, or HOME. They welcome you to their annual life-changing retreat. That's July 4th to the 6th, and the theme of which is Abiding Presence, Adorned with Christ. So come out and experience God's presence in a new depth. Be robed in his righteousness. Thus exalt in him, be sensitive to his mission for us, that of being his ambassadors. Please come expecting to enjoy powerful worship and camaraderie. There will be several dynamic speakers who will usher us into deliverance and new insights in the word of God. You can register online at hopeathome.org, that's www.hopeathome.org. And just so you know, it's free. Our next announcement is here at home, New Life Horizon Retreat, and this will be October 11th through the 14th. That's going to be taking place at the Rio Palace, Las Americas in Cancun, Mexico. Come in and join us for a good time in the Lord. Thank you. Good morning, good morning. I want to thank the Lord for an opportunity to be here. The songs we sang this morning just remind us, or reminded us rather, of how faithful and loving our God is. His arms are always outstretched, waiting for us to come. 
And for every time we feel lonely, every time we feel al or alone, it's because we have failed to go into his arms. Because he's always there, ready, saying, come my child, come my son, come my daughter. Come and feel my embrace. And so I know every time I have emotions that makes me off or causes me to, to feel as if God is not near, I know where I am. I have moved and he's calling me to come back. The Father's arms are always open wide. Forgiveness is there. Mercy is there. Love is there. And even as I woke up this morning and I looked outside and I recognized it was a new day. It was a new day that God gave me and a new day that he gave you because the fact that you're hearing me is a new day he gave you. And so this morning I just want us to be mindful that once he has given us a day, we have purpose. If the fact that you are alive this morning means that you are here for a reason, and all we need to find out from the Lord, Lord, what is that reason? What is the reason that you have allowed me to see another day? And so this morning, I just want us to just go before him and just to thank him again. Thank him again for his mercy. Thank him again for his grace. Thank him again for his mercy, his faithfulness, his forgiveness, his redemptive power. Is salvation. God, I thank you this morning, God. The more I think about what you have done, I am moved to gratitude. Lord, I've always said, Lord, if you never had to die for any other, you had to die for me. And I am grateful, God. So this morning, God, even as I share your word, I pray that you will speak to me and speak through me. Cause us, Father God, to hear your voice and not mine. Father, speak with such clarity this morning, God, that we will hear and we will know that you have spoken. Thank you, Father. Thank you this morning, God, for your kindness. Thank you, Father, that everything that you've done and have done and will do for us, we are grateful. Thank you for how you are making us into new wine. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. The church that we'll be looking at this week is the Laodicea, Laodicea, the church of Asia, the seventh church. The scripture that we'll be looking at this morning is Revelation 3 verses 14 to 22. As I thought about the church of 
Laodicea, I thought of times when I was employed and had to do, had my evaluation done. I remember those moments when it came to one year, your one year anniversary, and your supervisor, your employer, or whomever had to do that um, evaluation. And I remember even for me, as, as, as I also was an employer, that there were times that I had to do a performance appraisal or evaluation of those who were employed. And all of us at the moments like those, the person who is being evaluated anticipates what is going to be said or the review that is going to be given. You come with your own presuppositions of what you think you have done and what you are and how great you think you are or how bad you think you have been. And your employer or your supervisor comes to this meeting with the same mindset to go through with you and evaluate step by step, point by point, where they see you and where they think where area that you need to develop. And that is the situation of this church this morning. They came to Jesus having an idea of who they are. Or they, they speak about, they continue to speak about their, their achievements. And so they see themselves in this way. But Jesus came to evaluate them through his message and to tell them where they are. So I, so I want you to think this morning as we go through this scripture, imagine the, the church of Laodicea going through a performance appraisal. And at the end of their appraisal, Jesus said to them, you are useless and effective, ineffective. The church was in a dilemma or a dilemma. They felt that they had everything, but based on Jesus' evaluation of them, they were useless. And as we think about that church, I want you to think about your evaluation, your performance appraisal. How would Jesus evaluate you? What is Jesus saying to you this morning? And is, your, is, 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 is there a, an agreement that what he thinks of you is the same way you think of yourself. Because with the church of Laodicea, I can hardly pronounce this word, Laodicea, they saw themselves one way. They thought that they were doing all of this and they had all of that. And Jesus is saying, no, we are not agreeing. Laodicea was one of the three New Testament cities in the Lycos Valley. Actually, their name means people ruling, which is set in contrast to God ruling them as a people. The city was strategically located on the major trade routes of its day, where three highways converge. They were renowned for their banking centers, and that is where persons traveling 
through the east would come and exchange currencies or that's where they would go to take a loan to buy the commodities. They would also make their wealth through their medical clinics and they, where, they, where they sell their eye salves. So persons who had eye diseases would go to Laodicea to the clinics to have their eyes cured and they, they were renowned for their famous eye salves. And also they had this, this black woolen textile, textile that were used for manufacturing the garments of the wealthy. They had these, these sheep Nowhere else in the world had these sheep with these black wool. And so Laodicea was known wherever you went, they were known. Actually, they were the wealthiest city in, of, the, of the seven churches that the messages of Jesus went to. It was recorded, it has been recorded over and over that they, they, they were wealthy. And it was told that they were destroyed by, a, by an earthquake during the reign of Tiberius. And when the Roman Empire decided that offered their help, we're going to help this city, because it's norm. If a city is, is destroyed, the Roman Empire would offer assistance, whether by loan or otherwise, to rebuild. But Laodicea had so much, they had so much resources. They were self-sufficient and dependent that they refused. They said no. We have everything money can buy. We do not need your help. Actually, we do not need the favor of man. And in essence, what they were saying, we have enough that we don't even have need the favor of God. Well, however, despite all that they had, they had a major problem that they could not correct. Their money could not correct. They had no water supply. Their natural, naturally, the water that they used, they never had any springs in Laodicea to, to, to give them the, the natural water supply that they needed. And so what they had to do, they had to pipe water in through aqueducts to the city from Colossi and Hierapolis or Hierapolis. If they brought in cool, clean, and refreshing water from the cold spring of Colossi, or from the hot spring from Aeropolis, by the time it got to them, it was lukewarm. So Colossae was known for having the cold springs where persons would go and get this refreshing, in stimulating, invigorating water, refreshing water to drink, to cool it. So if you're traveling and you're in Colossae, that's where the cold springs were. The cold spring would get the water when the snows on the mountain would melt and it would run down and it would go underground. And they would have this cold spring giving them water right through the year. Hierapolis, on the other hand, had hot springs. And persons would go there for medicinal purposes. They, they would go and they would soak their bodies and their aching bodies as they travel from one part of the world to the next. They would stop there and they would soak their bodies and wherever they were sick, they would stop and be healed. But one of the problems they had that as the water traveled through the aqueducts, that that time the, 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 the pipes were clogged. And as the pipe got clogged, the, the calcification started to develop on the inner walls of the pipes. And the water became 
They like too, too much mineral, so it became undrinkable. Not only that, but because the pipe got clogged, imagine the water now became stagnant and developed a foul odor. And whomever would drink it, they became sick and they would vomit. So no matter where the water came from and no matter how the supply was and how good the water was, come, was at the very source from which it came, once it was piped through Laodicea, it became useless, insipid, nauseating, and good for nothing. And that was the condition of the church. The church's condition was similar to that of the city. They were good for nothing. They were useless. They were insipid and nauseating. And Jesus was saying to them, I am about to spit you out. In verse 14 of the scripture, we were, we were thinking about verse Revelation 3, verse 14. It says, to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. And so we see as usual that before in every letter that Jesus writes, he identifies himself to the church. So he begins and he says, to the angel of the church, to the messenger of the church, over that particular church I write. And he says, I am the amen. So he identifies himself as the amen. The word amen means firm, stable, sure, trustworthy, and it denotes finality, or it is the last word. So normally when you pray, you say amen. Your kingdom come as it is in heaven. Amen. Your will be done. Amen. And you say amen at the end of everything to say that is final. It is a sure word. And in saying amen, Jesus was saying to the church, I am the sure, unchangeable God, and I am sure and unchangeable in all my promises and my purpose. Therefore, if I make a promise to you, I am surely going to come through. If I make a promise to you that I will bless you for your obedience, or I will curse you for your disobedience, surely it will be fulfilled. And so as the amen, Jesus was saying to them, I come to you as one who has the ability to do things and I will not change. Secondly, he identifies himself as the faithful and the true witness of God. And as the true witness of God, Jesus was saying to, 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 to the church, I come to testify against you. I have evaluated you, and I now come to testify against you. As a witness, I, tes I testify that you as a church has failed miserably. Thirdly, Jesus identifies himself as the ruler of God's creation. In John 1, 3, we see that all things were made by Jesus. And without Jesus, nothing was made that has been made. In Colossians 
1 verse 16, we see in Jesus all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So as the ruler of creation, in essence, Jesus is saying to, to the church, I am the origin, I am the cause, and I am the creator of everything. I am the beginning of everything. I am the reason why everything is done, and I am the one who made everything. So whatever you have, or whatever you, you think you have, think about it, everything began with Jesus. And so after identifying himself, Jesus begin again and he says, just as he, he said to all the other churches, I know your deeds. And I'm at verse 15. You are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. As a faithful witness, Jesus was reminding the, 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 the church that he had full knowledge of their condition. Jesus testifies to the true condition of the church. He looks at them and he says, having evaluated you, I now testify against you. I now testify because I have a full knowledge of your true condition. And it does not look good. There was nothing commendable about the church of Laodicea. Nothing, because Jesus is saying to them, you're, you're neither hot nor cold. And I wish that you were either hot or cold. So why does Jesus prefer them to be either hot or cold or, rather than being lukewarm? And many times we have heard um, messages preached that it, it, it speaks about the zeal that either you're hot for God or you're not for God. You're in the kingdom of God or you're not in the kingdom of God. But when you carefully look at what Jesus is saying, he's not saying that he, I want it to be either, I want it to be that being hot is better or, and being cold is worse. No, he's not saying that. He said, I'd rather that you be hot or cold which means that although there are two extremes, they are both positive. So why would he say, I, I prefer if you're hot or I prefer if you're cold? And if we go back to looking at the, what we just, what I just gave you, the, the, the history of the, of, of the cities, Colossae having a cold spring was useful for stimulating and invigorating and refreshing people, those who traveled in, 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 in Asia. And, and, and Aeropolis that had the hot spring was useful for, for, for those who were sick and those who had aching feet and needed to rest and needed to, to soak their bodies. And Jesus is saying to them, I would prefer if whatever you do, you, have, you bring usefulness. So if you're cold, be usefully cold. And if you're hot, be usefully hot. But you cannot be lukewarm. Because if you're lukewarm, it is nauseating. Have you ever tried to make tea with warm water? 
So it is not cool enough to refresh you. And it's not hot enough for you to think that I'm drinking a hot cup of tea. Or have you had your cup of tea turn into warm? It's not the same. It doesn't taste the same. It is insipid. Being lukewarm is not the middle of both extremes. So Jesus is not saying, if, if, if you're hot, you're cold, and if you're in the middle, you need to go over to the cold or you need to go over to the hot because you're in the middle. No, it does not speak about the middle. It speaks about an indifference. It speaks about a people who are apathetic. It speaks about a people who had a quest to achieve self-sufficiency, self-satisfaction, and security from their wealth that their wealth could afford them. And Jesus was saying to them, no. You cannot have complete fellowship with me if you are bland and insipid. And when you look at the church in Smyrna, the church in Smyrna, Jesus commended them because he said, you have been persecuted, you have been afflicted, you are poor, yet I, God, yet I, Jesus, say you are rich. And when you look at what he's saying to this church in Laodicea, he says, you are rich. You say you are rich. You have so much, but I say you are poor. Like the city, the believers were comfortable and, and what, what Jesus is not saying is that he's not against prosperity. He's not against wealth. But he said, when you are more concerned about your happiness, when you are more concerned about acquiring your wealth than being a witness for me, now you are in problems. You are insipid. And I have no use for you. When you are more concerned with, with your savings and your social security check and your 401k um, savings and your, your different lodgings and different things that you have, God is saying to you, no, if that's all you're concerned about, is what you have saved up. And if that's all you, you wake, stay at night, thinking about how can I make more and more and more, he said, you are nauseating and I'm going to spit you up because I have no use for you. In verse 17, we see the, the believers of the church saying, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and I do not need a thing. So not only do they make a statement, I am rich, but they're saying, I have acquired wealth. And acquiring wealth means that they're building and they're getting more and they're, they're concerned with building more and more. So yes, you can see, you can see a family that is rich and satisfied. But they were not satisfied. They were trying, they were acquiring more and more and more, and they were only concerned with more. And then they say, I do not need a thing. But Jesus says to them, But you do not realize. You do not realize that you are wretched, that you are pitiful, that you are poor, that you are blind, and that you are naked. So here it is, they have a, a concept in their mind or a perspective in their mind that we have all of this. And we can't even think about it. For us it may be we have all, we, we have power or we, we have the looks or we have the intellect or whatever you have, you, you have the, the, the security. You have the, 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 the furniture, whatever it is that you may think you have. 
And Jesus is saying, but you do not realize. And so there's a disparity be, be, between what they know and what Jesus knows about them. And so in looking at them, Jesus is saying, you are dumb. You are so dumb that what you think you have is sufficient. You think that you are living a comfortable lifestyle among the elite and the powerful in society. You think that because you are doing all of that, you are rich. You think that because you, you can decide that today I will vacation in, 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 in Jamaica and next week I can vacation on the yacht or whatever you can do, you think that you are wealthy. And Jesus is saying, no. You think that because you can go to the supermarket and you can push your trolley and you can get all that you need and buy what you need when you need it, you think that you are wealthy. And Jesus is saying, no, you aren't. You think that because it's so easy for you to achieve material stuff, you can buy what you need from Marshalls, Macy's, Ross, wherever you shop, Lord and Taylor, Dillard's, Outlets. You can buy the name brands. You assume that you have all. And Jesus is saying, you are being fooled. Their material wealth was increasing, but their heavenly treasure had depleted. Is that your reality this morning? You have so much. You remember when you had nothing. Oh, you prayed about every detail you bought. If you were buying a table, you said, God, you prayed. Lord, I want a table. And then the table came. God, I want a, a chair. And the chair came. Lord, I, 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 I need a whatever, a bed, a, a, a dresser, a, a fridge, whatever you, you prayed for. And it came. They thought that their money could buy everything, but they did not have favor with God. Jesus' message to them is, you are so dumb that you do not realize. You are so dumb that you do not know that with all the wealth you have, you are wretched, you are pitiful, you are poor, you are blind, and you are naked. And ironically, what you recognize, what Jesus is saying to them, because they evaluated themselves and we say we, they said, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. And Jesus' evaluation of them is, you are wretched, wretched. You are pitiful. You are poor. So here they say, I am rich, but Jesus is saying, I am poor. They're saying, I, Jesus is saying, you are blind. And can you believe, they were the ones who manufactured the world-famous salve with, or with the medical centers where everyone from around the world would come. And Jesus is saying to them, you are blind. They were the same ones who were, who were, who were known for producing the, 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 the black woolen textile that the, the wealth from all around the world would come to purchase for their clothing. Yet Jesus is saying to them, you are naked. What a disparity. From what do you gain your confidence? Are you evaluating yourself based on what you have? based on what you can do, based on how intelligent you are and well learned you are? Are you evaluating yourself based on the fact that you, 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 you do your devotions every week 
or that you pray? Are you evaluating yourself based on what you think you have done for God? Is it the fame from your past? Because some persons have been was very, very famous in their past, where everyone knew them and their fame. Is that the way you're evaluating yourself this morning? Because Jesus' evaluation of us is what really matters. And he's saying to them that you are useless to me because here it is, you have all this wealth. You have everything you need, yet you do not have my favor. And he's saying to them, even though you have, and he's saying to us, even though you have all of that, all of what you have cannot satisfy. Only God can satisfy. Like the Laodiceans, Jesus comes to you and he counters your claims and confronts your lifestyle. And he confronts my lifestyle. Anything that we seek apart from him will amount to nothing. No matter what you and I attain on our own, no matter what you and I acquire on our own, everything that we have will amount to nothing. With all the wealth of the Laodicean church, they were spiritually bankrupt and useless to Jesus. They could not be used in the spiritual state that they were in. Can God use you in the state that you're in? Does he desire to use you in the state that you're in? And when I thought about that church, I thought, imagine today they're playing, they're playing the organ and something went wrong. They don't have to stop and call an elders meeting or a board meeting and do, and, 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 and do fundraising. Imagine they don't have to do a car wash or, a, or, a, or do meals and sell. They don't have to do any, any, no form of fundraising. Someone in the church can do They don't even have to have someone. There's enough offering in the church to buy it. They don't have to pray and trust God like Smyrna. Smyrna would have to pray and trust God for everything. If they need a cheer, they would have to pray because they had nothing. They were poor. They were materially poor. But Laodicea, the opposite of them, was so materially rich. They would boast in their self-sufficiency. And I think about it. They would have gone by it. They would have had the best. The newest. The best that money can buy. And when I think about us, I'm thinking, I'll say, okay, God, I may not be in that position where I can buy everything that I want to buy. But how many things have I bought that I have bought without even coming to God and say, God, is this, this, this what you want me to have? And it may look simple. It may be as simple as an apple. It may be simple as, a, as, as having a meal on the road. God, is this what you want me to be having today? And as I thought about them, it is easier to look at those who have so much and say, oh, the message is for them. But the message is also for me. The me with the little and God is saying, how have you been stewarding that which I have given you? How have you been stewarding your time? Because though they say that I am rich, I can say I have time. How have you been stewarding your time? Have you been spending time with me? 
and seeking to do my will and to hear what I have planned and purpose for you to do? Or do you use your time and do what you want to do to enjoy yourself seeking and chasing after happiness? Many believers believe that having material possession is a sign of God's spiritual blessing. What do you think? Do you think that those who are wealthy has more blessing or is more blessed by God? They sought material possessions and happiness, yet they had little or no regard to be used by Jesus as a witness. Because I'm just thinking that that church would have had an opportunity with so many persons coming in to that city just to, for the bank, the banking center, that's them. To, for the wealthy to buy the fabric, that's them. For the eye salve, because there was nowhere else, no other medical center that dealt with the eyes but them. And people would be having problems because then it was not like nowhere you're driving an air-conditioned car. It's not like nowhere our immune system is being developed because we are getting so many um, vaccinations. Then they would have had sickness driving through the desert, the sandy desert. They would have had so many sicknesses, and eye sickness would be one of the main and chief ones. And Jesus is saying to them, I am sick with your consumerism and your self-independence. Your, I am sick to my stomach, and I'm about to vomit you out. And I remember hearing that if a child swallows a harmful substance or anything, the best thing to give them is lukewarm water. That's a guarantee that they're going to vomit it up. Because they're going to get sick to the stomach. And Jesus is saying to us this morning, when you have no regard to be used by me, and you chase after everything except me, you are, I am sick to my stomach because of you. And I'm going to vomit you out. When you have no regard for saying, God, what would you have me to do today? And all you're interested in is seeking after your own happiness. Running after acquiring wealth and riches. And thinking that you need to have this and you need to have that. And you, the, and, and, and the con but you, you know what I thought about? Asia at, at one point was where everything started and went out. Evangelism, Christianity spread out from Asia and went out. Or African Asia and went out. And if you stop and look at Asia now, what is happening? The churches have died out. And when we think about even the, this great America, and you look, you can never drive about five miles without seeing at least a strip mall. Consumerism all over. Places that would never open on a Sunday, everywhere opening. And think about us. We have gotten so accustomed to the, what the culture is saying, the culture dictates, that on Sundays where we would be considered to, to be a holy day, we do everything that we would have done any other day. I am guilty. 
And you realize that's what happens to a society when it is becoming secular. Anything goes. Anything can happen. And Jesus is saying to us, when you have no regard for me and what I want you to be doing as my witness, I am sick to my stomach. He then counsels them in verse 18 to purchase. And he says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. The word to buy means to acquire or to gain through faith. And this can only be done through Jesus. In Isaiah 55 verse 1, we see God say, saying to these people, come. He gives an invitation and he says, come all who are thirsty. Come who want water. Come who have no money. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without a cost. But although they were known for their wealth, Jesus was still willing to give them an opportunity to gain riches. And the riches he was telling them about was gold that was refined in fire, which symbolizes the real spiritual riches that have been tested through the trials of life. In 1 Peter 1, 7, Peter says, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Matthew 6, 20 to 21 tells us to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. And these treasures, he's saying that these treasures can never be destroyed. They can never be eaten. They can never develop rust. They can never be corrupt by, or they can never be stolen by thieves. Because the treasure that you and I are working so hard to acquire on this earth, the material things, the money to save, the money to, to, to have so that we can go where we want to go, buy what we want to buy. Jesus is saying to us, that treasure will rust, it will rot. If we have a recession, that money is gone because the stock market will crash. So all your 401k would have been depleted. If you have your jewel in your house, just like my house was broken into, a thief can break in and he can steal everything that you consider valuable. And Jesus is saying to you this morning, come, come buy gold from me. And as I sang the song this morning, I remembered, it is in the pressing, it is in the crushing that Jesus is going to build. It's in the crushing, it is in the pressing that Jesus is going to create and make that new wine. And he says, I give you my old flame, desiring your new fire today. So make me a vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. And the reality is, to go through fire, it's a difficult process. It's a trial of life that comes every day. 
But I realized something with, with, with the church of Laodicea and the and church of Sardis. They had no persecution. It's as if they were in bed with Satan. They never had the Jews who were of the Satan of synagogue going against them. They never had the, 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 the secular world going against them. They didn't have nothing going against them. They were comfortable. And Jesus was saying, to, based on what Jesus said to them, we can look in our life. Once you find your life too comfortable, start to worry something is not right. Sardis had no problem. And Jesus had no commendation for them. Laodicea had no problem. And Jesus had no commendation. All he had for them were or was rebuke. And so he said to them, come. Come and get the spiritual riches that can never be depleted. Come and get the spiritual riches that can never be corrupt. Come and get the spiritual riches that not only can the riches itself be corrupt, but it can, you, you will not be corrupted. I remember having a conversation with my daughter. And she was saying to me, Mommy, why are we so poor? Why we had to be poor? Why we had to be born poor? Why we had to be born in a poor family? Why we? And she went on. And I listened and I listened. I never had anything to say. Because there are sometimes you just don't have anything to say. Sometimes it goes beyond word. Because in some situation where God is just, you have nothing to say. He's just, He's God. And so I think the same day or the day after, she sent me an article showing me the worries of the rich man. And she recognized that the, the poor man worries about getting, the rich man worries about keeping and maintaining. So no matter where, where, where you are on the, on, 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 on the coin, if you are worrying, if, if money is your focus, you're going to be worrying. The rich man worry about the stock exchange. I don't care what the stock exchange play tomorrow morning, neither here nor there. If tomorrow morning they come and they say the bull or the, the cow or whoever, I neither here nor there. But there are some people who cannot wait tomorrow morning to see what is going to happen. And Jesus is saying, come. Come and get some spiritual riches. Things that will not corrupt you. Because as, as you get richer spiritually, you, it's because you start to do what I have called you to do more and more and more. So what is God calling you to do for that spiritual riches? Although they were known for the best textile, Jesus still counsels them to buy white clothes to cover their nakedness. He instructs them to dress themselves in, in righteousness. And the righteousness that he's saying to them, this righteousness will produce character. So you don't have to be known by the elite and the wealthy. You don't have to try to be a part of the, 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 the status quo and the in crowd. My righteousness is enough to clothe you. Although they were known for their medical centers and famous, world famous eye salve, Jesus counsels them to buy salve to put on their eyes so that they can see him and to discern his leading. Because it's not physical seeing. Because what they were going to... The, to let those here to do is to, to work on their physical ability to see 
And Jesus is saying, come and buy salt for your eyes from me, which will allow you to see me. And as you see me, you will be able to discern where I'm taking you. You'll be able to discern what you're supposed to do, and you'll have my wisdom to live by. Like the Laodiceans, you and I may be seeking wealth, possession, happiness, family, job, whatever it is. Maybe in your quest to achieve these, you have become distracted with business, with the world, with getting ahead in life, and with everything else, rather than what God has called you to do. And Jesus is calling you to come and buy Come and buy. As my daughter told, explained to me about slow death. She said, Mommy, slow death is like putting butter in your rice. It don't kill you one time, but it hardens your arteries every day. Every day you eat a little butter in your rice. She said, your arteries become hardened and hardened. And she said, Mommy, it's a slow, painful death. And that's what Jesus is saying. Come. Come to him today. Because the thing that we are, we are allowing to distract us, and I'm thinking about it this morning, I was really talking to the Lord about the thing that I have allowed to distract me. They seem godly, but what they do, they take me away from being directly with him and doing exactly what he calls me to do. What are you doing this morning that is distracting you? What have distracted you? from where you are supposed to be. Is it your bill payment? Because data too can distract us. We can be so overly concerned about our bills that we cannot even talk to God about anything else but our bills. Is it the fact that you're lonely? Because we can be so distracted with the fact that we're alone that we talk to God about nothing else but about our being lonely or alone. Is it the fact that you have no job? Because you can spend all your time talking to God about my unemployment when God is saying, I have more for you than unemployment. Is it your children? Is it your, is it your spouse? Is it your, your, your employer? Is it your supervisor? Is it, so what is it that is distracting you from, a, from, from being in the presence of God and hearing him? Is it the, is it the, the malls and everything that is, is, is uh, in the malls? Is it the holidays that are coming and you're saying it's summer and I need to be going somewhere and you're fully, all you can think about is where do I go for summer? Where do I go for summer? Summer is short. Summer is short. And God is saying to you, do not be distracted. Because when you become distracted, you start to think self-sufficiently. When you become distracted, you start to think and plan and scheme things your way. And when you are that way, you, you have made me sick to my stomach. Then he calls them in, in verse 19 and he said, Those whom I love I rebuke and I discipline. So be earnest and repent. And none of us like to be disciplined or to be rebuked. None of us like to be corrected. None of us. Because we see correction as something bad. We see it as something that tears us down. And we, we now develop this word where we say it's constructive criticism or it is not constructive criticism. But none of us like it, constructive or otherwise. But Jesus is saying to us this morning, 
Because I love you, I'm going to correct you. Because I love you, I'm going to discipline you. Because I love you, I will rebuke you. I only rebuke those who are mine and those who I love. And then he says, he calls them to repent. He said, be earnest and repent. Come. Jesus never rebukes us out of hatred. He rebukes us from love. And every time you hear him speaking and every time he nudges you, he's saying something to you to correct. And if you fail to respond, what you are doing, you're hardening your heart over and over. And when we look at Pharaoh, it, the scripture says God hardens Pharaoh's heart. But if you go back and you read it properly, the scripture says Pharaoh's heart was hardened and God hardened it more. So where you are hardening your heart from God, he comes and he will harden it more for you. And then what he does, he spits you out because whatever he spits out cannot go back in. Just think about it. Will you spit something out and take it up back and put it back in your mouth? It's like returning to your vomit. Yeah. Like a dog returning to its vomit. And so Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And when he said that he's knocking at your door, what is God saying to you this morning? What is he knocking at your heart and saying this morning? And he says, if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat with you and you with me. Do you hear Jesus knocking at your heart this morning? What is he saying? What is his review of you? Because he has evaluated you. What is he saying to you? Okay, I see that you're good in this area. I see that you're good in another area. But this is what I say. What is he saying? Has he commended you for everything that you have done? Or is your evaluation all commendation? Or is it also reproof? Because wherever he's reproofing you, or there's reproof, sorry, he's saying to you, you need to correct. It's not only good for you to know that I need to do this. It is for you to also implement. And he says, I knock at your door. And for him to knock at your door, think about a big girl. I remember a girl called me two, two weeks ago and she said to me, for every time I think, she said, she said every time I think about myself, I see me, I, 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 see, I, see, I see the Satan as the ant that I can squash. And she said, he will crawl over you and it's annoying when the, when the ant is all over you. But she said, one slap, that's a dead ant. And I said to her, I've never thought about it that way. We give power to the enemy, which the scripture says to us, that as you submit to God and resist him, he must flee. And even though he goes for an opportune time, if you repeat the process, submit to God, resist the enemy, he will flee again. And she said, these are ants just crawling over you. And it's annoying. But you don't keep ants crawling over your body. You brush it away or you kill it. And Jesus is saying to us this morning, 
I knock at the door of your heart. If you hear me. And, I, and I'm mindful that there are some who, who may not hear him this morning. Why? Because there's so much noise. Noise, noise. Things that I explained to my daughter this morning. That there's a tyranny of the urgent. Thing that comes and it pulls at you. And you have to do this. And you have to do that. And you have to do this. And I'm saying, and, 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 and I said to her, but the thing that is important, you miss out by doing the tyranny of the urgent. And God is saying to us this morning, I have so much more important things for you to do than the thing that you are scurrying around and busy trying to do and to do on your own and to fix on your own and, 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 and seeking favor there and seeking favor there. People pleasing here, people pleasing there, running after that one there, running after that one here. And Jesus is saying, I have so much more for you to do. The tyranny of the urgent as opposed to what is important. I knock at your door. Invite me in. Because when I come, I come and I eat. And imagine, the person who comes to your house and eats is someone that you invited and you have prepared a meal for. It's not a regular, it's a regular off the strange road. You just say, come, come, come. You invite people to your home that you want to be a part of your home. And then he goes on in verse 21 and he says, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with the Father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So the one who overcame is saying to us, if you overcome the way I overcome, you will sit. I give you the right to sit with me on my throne. And to sit with Christ on his throne is to reign with him. He never said, I'll give you some small thro thrones. You're going to sit with him on his throne. And you're going to reign with him just as he sat with his father and is reigning. But we must overcome. And as I share this word with you, I am mindful that this is also my word. If not that I, have, I, I, I am beyond this. I have to reflect, and as I prepared in the week, I had to reflect, and I remember having a conversation with my husband, and I'm saying to him, this is the, the, the thoughts that are coming. You, we, we find that we are going after this, or we think that we, we have this, we see ourselves this way, and God is saying, no, that's not how you are. You think you're all that, and I'm saying to you, you are not all that. You need that to change, you need that to change, yes, that, may, that is good. Yes, that is good. But you have that to work on. That to work on. Yes, that is good. That is good, but that needs to work on. And I'm hoping that all of us this morning listening to my voice, that there are areas in our lives that Christ can commend us on. But I'm also hoping that the areas in your life that he rebukes you on, that you're open enough to respond. Let this not be one of the times where you harden your heart because you are against being criticized. Let this not be one of the times that you harden your heart because you're not sure. The, God's motive is always right. He does everything from a place of love. So when he rebukes you or he disciplines you, it's because he loves you. And he calls us this morning to repent. And all we can do is go before him. He's not asking you 
to be in the middle. He said, you know what? I prefer if you're hot or you're cold. I want you to be useful. And the only way you can be useful is when I rebuke you and discipline you, you repent. The only way you can be useful to me is when you come and buy gold refined in fire. When you come and you, you buy the spiritual treasure, the riches that I have. When you come and you allow my righteousness to clothe you so that your, your character can be developed. When you allow me to put my, 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 my salve over your eyes so that you can see me and discern me and to know what I am doing. But this morning, as with everything else, we have a choice. We have a cho choice to respond or not to respond. We have a choice to say, you know, sit down and we play tennis. That word was for X and not for me. Or it was for Y and not for me. We have a, we have a choice. And I'm realizing that choice that we are given is over and over and over, I am realizing it is such a good thing to have a choice. God is saying to you this morning and to me, we both have a choice. We have a choice to hear him and to respond. We have a choice to hear him speak into our spirit and give us an evaluation and our appraisal of where we are. And you know what he's saying. You know what he's saying to you. And so this morning I ask you, do not harden your heart, but respond. Take your eyes after the, uh, uh, from acquiring the wealth and the running after. Nothing is wrong with wealth. But I can guarantee you that the scripture says that those who seek God and his kingdom first, everything else will be added. And so this morning, I pray that as you hear his voice, that you will respond this morning in a favorable way. He says, if you are lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out. If you continue in the grain in which you're running, if you continue in the lane in which you're running, if you continue the way that you are, I am going to spit you out. If you continue to build your earthly treasures, your heavenly treasure will be depleted fully. And so, Father, I just bless your name this morning. I thank you, Father, that we are at the end of the seven churches of Asia. And when we look and, 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 and compare our lives and contrast our lives, Lord, there's so much of them we see in us. We see like Ephesus where you said you have been, you have forsaken your first love. The things that were important once you no longer, no longer important to you. The thing that you would do every day that you will live and you will, you will wake up just to do, you no longer have the desire because you are running after other things. And Father, we pray this morning, God, as, as, we, as we reflect and go back over the weeks and look back at what you said and what you have spoken, that we would heed, that we would hear, that we would respond in a favorable way. Because the word says, those who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
And so, Father, I pray this morning that wherever we are in the, as individuals, believer, non-believer, there is a call for response. Jesus is saying, as a believer and a non-believer, you can be poor, You can be blind. You can be wretched and you can be pitiful. So it's not only the state of a non-believer. It's also a state of a believer. Someone who once believed. Someone who once continued, who gave their lives and believed. But over time, lost sight of the vision, of God's vision. And so Father, this morning, I just bless your name. I bless your name that you're faithful, God. Because you know what, God? You could have evaluated us. Because many of us, our supervisors, evaluated us. Many persons lost their jobs and do not even know why they were fired. Many persons, Father God, experienced unemployment because no one took the time to say to them, this is where you need to be developed. But you are taking the time this morning, God, to speak to our hearts. And you are knocking. And you're saying to us, open up. And so, Father, I give you thanks and praise you that you do not leave us alone, but you come. Day after day, you come. Day after day, you come. Day after day, you come. And you reveal to us your mercy. You reveal to us your power. You reveal to us your love. You reveal to us, God, your kindness. You reveal to us your mercy. And you're calling us to come. And so, Father, I come. I come. I come. I've heard you. I've heard you with such clarity that I cannot walk away. I cannot continue to be the same, God. I ask you to help me. I ask you to show me. I ask you to reveal to me how to make the steps daily. Show me. I am depending on you. I do not desire to be independent. I do not desire to be self-sufficient. I desire to lean totally on you. So show me, God, in the mundane things of life, the, the, the little supermarket errands, the little going here and there to meet someone, the little going there or whatever. Show me, God. Order my steps daily because you told me that my steps are ordered. As a believer, my steps are ordered. But Lord, I recognize that I have a choice to walk right when you say to go left. So teach me, show me, reveal to me. Reveal not only to me, but to everyone sitting before me and listening to my voice, God. I pray that you will reveal to us each day what to do. Lord, cause our hearts to be pliable. Cause our hearts to be pliable before you, God. Let it not be stone. Let it not be hard. Let it not be rocky. But to be pliable like clay so you can mold us. You can shape us. You can change us. You can transform us. You can renew us. You can refresh us. And so Father, I just give you thanks. 
I thank you for those who today will be their first day of saying yes to you, God. That I hear you knocking and I'm opening my heart. I hear you calling and I'm opening my heart and I'm saying, come in, Jesus. And some may not understand what it means to invite Jesus in, but when he comes in, he comes to be your Lord. He comes to be your King. He comes to be your Savior. He comes to be your, your Redeemer. He comes and he takes occupancy of your life because he said, you are now mine. I have purchased you. I have bought you at a price. And when he comes in, he desires to, to guide you and to lead you and to order your steps. But he says, all you need to do is to confess with your mouth. Confess that I am your Lord, that Jesus is Lord. And when you believe in your heart that he is risen from the dead, you believe that he is no longer in the grave, you believe that death has no power over him, and that you too will be made alive with him. He says, I come. And I come to live and to reign in your heart. And if you're a believer. And you hear his evaluation of you this morning. And he says, I have all these commendations for you. I, I'm saying, well done in these areas. But I'm saying, I have a reproof for you. Do not walk away without hearing him totally what he has to say so that you can make corrections. He wants us to be hot. He wants us to be cold. He wants us to be useful. He wants us to be spiritually useful to him and to those around us because we are his hands, we are his feet. And as my husband has been showing me over and over and more and more and he's saying to me, for every conversation you have every day, Make sure that they matter. Make sure that when you speak to a stranger, it's not just in passing, but that you stop and you engage. And, 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 and I say, Lord, I thank you for the example that he is to me. I thank you for how you are using him to demonstrate to me that I need to engage. Not to be a passing conversation, just to laugh and chat about something and go, but to make sure that it matters. Make sure that when I walk away, I walk away knowing that a seed was planted. I walk away knowing that this is someone to pray for. I walk away knowing whatever it is that you have called me to be in that particular relationship. And so, Father, I stand here ready. Don't have a clue how many times, but I am ready. I am ready. And I pray that that will be everyone listening to reality. That we'll all be ready to be made into new wine. So may the Lord bless us this morning. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you this morning. May the Lord grant you peace this morning that can only come from him, the Prince of Peace. I pray that you will walk today, tomorrow, next week, next year, next century, next decade, knowing who you are in Christ, deciding not to give in and to live according to the standards of the secular world and the enemy, but choosing to live as a vessel useful to Christ. And so, I see you next week. Have a blessed week.
So make